And it's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I could follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's <laughs> looking at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm moron. Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking like a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthold and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We just finished watching the pit game. It was kind of a tough one, Robbie. Why don't you pick us up a little bit? Give us a cheers. Well, I think the biggest cheers I can give is that huge win over UVA. Yes, that was a tough loss against Pitt. But in the grand scheme of this and the tournament and our seeding, I think that UVA game is going to carry a lot more weight at the end of the day. There's teams that are going to have tough nights as we did tonight. But UVA carries the day. And holding them to a lot of different stats that they hadn't really achieved, snapping their ACC win record, uh, holding them to the lowest points. I think they scored this season, if I'm if I'm correct there. Just a lot of things, and I think we held them to 37 percent uh, from the field, which is their lowest total of the season. So overall, let's just focus on the positive and uh, move on to the to our next game. Cheers, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about that UVA game, go over it in detail in a little bit. Hokies came in at number 16 in the AP poll this week, two spots behind those UVA Cavaliers, which was a little annoying because we had just beaten them and beaten them convincingly, but that's the polls for you. I, I, I guess they have fewer ACC losses, or they did at the time, so whatever, but 16 in the poll, ranked again. This team continues to make historic things happen. It, being ranked this many weeks, I've said it before, it's it's so awesome and has happened so rarely in Virginia Tech basketball history. It is awesome. We're up to 29 in the net ranking. That's what the committee uses to help seed the teams. And 29 also in Ken Palm. Those were both before the pit game, obviously. So we will be dropping a little bit in those two rankings, but Likely not too far from a road loss, but we shall see. We have to talk about the bad news uh, of Radford. We learned last Monday that he was suspended indefinitely for a DUI and a gun charge. He just pled guilty to that DUI charge this week, and the gun charge has been taken under advisement by the judge. My understanding is that means... They're going to put him on probation and he has to do all of his ASAP classes and all that stuff. And if everything goes well, that'll get dropped. Yeah. So uh, the specifics were, I think he blew like a 0.13. So he was over the legal limit and was cooperative with the police is everything that I've heard. I announced to them that he had a gun with him. He had gone to his course to have um, a carry license, but hadn't been approved and fill out the paperwork. And it was unloaded. I'm not making excuses for the guy, but I think the to your point, I think it's one of those things, if he doesn't do anything bad for the next year, then they're going to waive off uh, the charges associated with that. He'll basically be under kind of a probation in, in that respect. Um, and yeah, it's super unfortunate. And it was a stupid, stupid move on his part to be drinking and driving. But um you know, hopefully he learns from this and, you know, we'll see if he, he rejoins the team. Uh, I don't know what's going to end up happening there. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, college kid getting pulled over for DUI is not the most uncommon thing, but you're a student athlete and you're held to a higher standard. And I, I think he knows, and Mike Young has talked about it, like he made a mistake and he can work his way back to the team. And I don't know if that's going to be this year or next year or what, but he was extremely important to this team. When the news broke, I mean, I was 
I was, I don't know if devastated is the right term, but I was very bummed out. Like that is a huge blow to a team that has a chance to go places this year. He was second on the team in points, rebounds, and assists. His defense is really good. It it was a huge loss. So hopefully, hopefully he can come back and the sooner the better. Um, I, I'm not trying to dismiss like the fact that he got a DUI. That's bad. Like you don't drink and drive. It's, it's, instilled in us from day one in high school whenever they always tell you don't drink and drive and um you know he screwed up so he needs to work his way back hopefully he does it soon aluma was named acc player of the week last week he was also a like espn player of the week and naismith player of the week he had a heck of a a week of accolades he basically sweeped i think almost every accolade that you could you could possibly (laughs) get it was 29 points he he went off and he is really developing uh into such an exceptional talent i think he's he's moving up draft boards and what people think that he can do at the next level as well i couldn't be more happy he played his butt off again and i don't want to get too much in the game tonight we'll cover that but he played his butt off again tonight with uh 30 points and really fought to the end. The team never gave up and he especially didn't give up. So he deserves all those accolades that he got after that huge UVA win. Yeah. He seems to be getting better and better. There was just a stretch of maybe two or three games or he wasn't MIA, but he didn't, he wasn't the force that he was before. Maybe the defense has changed on him a bit, but man, back to back career highs in his last two games. That's pretty darn impressive. Let's move to football quickly before we go over the basketball games. Daryl Tapp, hired away from the Hokies by the 49ers. That hit some of us hard. I know it hit me hard. I was disappointed because Tapp basically just got to Blacksburg and he graduated the same year I graduated. You were there at the same time he was. And I thought he was really going to help our recruiting help the reach out to former players and and all that kind of thing. And to have him leave after one year is disappointing, but he is in theory moving up. So it's not the, it's not a a bad, bad thing. It's just unfortunate for us. Yeah. It's unfortunate for us. I'm listen, you know, Hokies are going to support Hokies. I'm very happy for him and where he landed and moving, making a move up this early you know, quote unquote, this early in his coaching career up to the 49ers is a huge boon for him. It's obviously going to be a big jump in pay for him. It's just on our side, it kind of sucks because he was a huge proponent of Virginia Tech. He he instilled a lot of, I think, confidence. He was arguably one of our best recruiters, not necessarily in in who he was bringing in, but it was so early in his tenure that I think it was going to bear a lot of fruit down the road. And we never got to see that come to fruition, which um, was rough. So super happy for him, but it sucks being on on our side and, and, and losing him. You're right. He wasn't here for long enough to really know the recruiting impact, but even in the short time he was here, we heard multiple recruits like mention him in articles or whatever that he had an influence on the recruiting path. And it's funny that he goes to the NFL one year after Tierlink comes from the Bills. You know what I mean? Yep. So we were kind of wondering why Tierlink would make that move. And people were like, well, the pay's not that different. And maybe he wants a different lifestyle and everything. And Tap obviously wants the exact opposite. Cheerlink had also been in the NFL for several years and wasn't, you know, Tap still building his resume and things like yeah. that. But it's, and Tierlink's it's, father is also well known within the ranks. Right. So like he doesn't, he can afford to drop down and then go back up and make those moves for a guy like Tap. You get that opportunity. You gotta. I feel like you gotta take it. Yeah, and and I'm not blaming him one bit. I just wonder what goes into all that decision-making. You know it had to probably kill him to leave after one year, yep. uh, being, being at his alma mater. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a very tough decision. Speaking of former Hokies being our coach, J.C. Price hired as co-defensive line coach, taking tap spot, and he's also been named the defensive recruiting coordinator. He comes over from Marshall. He was a stud defensive lineman for us back in the 90s. And has had a pretty good coaching career, too. He had a run at JMU before he went to Marshall. Has been at both places a very long time. 
from what I hear, he's also wanted to coach at Tech for a while. So I don't think he'll be leaving after a year is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I would hope not. But I, I think it's a, in terms of replacements for what you just lost, I think this is probably as good as you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, this is a really good hire. I think if you're trying to fill that void and if your thought around tap is that he has a huge upside is a Virginia tech guy can really go out and recruit the brand of Virginia tech. This, this fills that gap about as well as you possibly can um, with a, with a former player that was huge for Virginia tech. So he'll be able to speak the, the language of, of what it means to be a Hokie. And I think it's a, it's a good replacement. It sucks to lose tap, but I think price is really, is really good and good fill there. And I'm very curious about this defensive recruiting coordinator title and what that will entail because you have Lechtenberg being named the offensive recruiting coordinator as well. So I think they're they're trying to continue that initiative to make changes to their recruiting because clearly what we're doing currently or the last couple of years is not working and we'll get to the National Signing Day stuff in a minute. But Price, it was a few years ago, but he was – Conference USA Recruiter of the Year in 2015. And so clearly, at some point or another, he's known what he's doing when it comes to recruiting. And this could be a boost for our recruiting efforts, especially in Virginia. Um, And he he was at Marshall, he was at JMU. He knows the area very well. So it's uh, hopefully will be be a boost for us there. National Signing Day is today, although it doesn't have the same impact as it used to now that there's early signing day before Christmas. We came in at number 45. That's where we finished this year. Uh, 40 in the in-house rankings, according to 247, but 45 in the composite. 27 commits in the class. But even with those 27 commits, which is a pretty big class, we were 10th in the ACC in both the composite and the in-house rankings. It, It was not a strong class, and we've been over this several times um, we need to see some progress here. Yeah, and yeah, it gets it gets dicey here because we. Are, I always like to be kind and say that, you know, we've had plenty of recruits that come in at lower levels that end up being really great. But for this is this is a complete and absolute failure on on the part of Justin Fuente, and he said this was going to be a good class. This was going to be a highly ranked class. Maybe they scouted everybody perfectly and everybody they're bringing in is, but you know, that, that doesn't work. I mean, at some point you need to bring in, you know, blue chip recruits and also keep people in, in the state that are, and I know it was not the, maybe the greatest year for Virginia tech or Virginia recruits, but we're abysmal at the in-state recruiting. We're not doing that well out of the state. These, these are things that go beyond just Fuente and they go to the the heart of the program that can take years to mend, to build Mm -hmm. those relationships back up to the, these are not small. Oh, one year it's going to be bad. And next year, if we bring somebody else in, if we bring somebody else in next year, I'm not saying we will, they're going to have to spend two, three years mending fences of all this. So they have a tall order ahead of them uh, of what the what has happened and being 10th in the ACC where Virginia Tech should be in the top 4 every year in in recruiting top 5 at worst is is atrocious it's just it's just bad i mean no, it's, it's not it's, good it's so far beyond bad and that's why it, it's become exhausting to keep talking about it because it's so it's so bad. It's the worst stretch we've had in recruiting in 25 years. We have two four-star recruits that have committed to Tech over the last 28 months, two and a half years essentially since J.R. Walker committed. Since he committed, and there was a, a, a stretch before that that was pretty good when uh, Chuck Canner was still in charge of recruiting. But after J.R. Walker's commitment, we have received two commitments, one from Nestor, who's no longer <laughs> a Hokie, and Alec Bryant. Two four-star commitments in 845 days, as I tweeted out today. 28 months, two and a half years, whatever you want to say. It is, as you said, it is an abject failure. It is so incredibly bad. I don't think many Hokie fans really realize how bad it is. And if you listen to Bud 
Elliott or Barton Simmons or these people that know recruiting inside and out and how well that translates to the field, especially on defense. We are in for a rough ride if this doesn't get turned back around soon and like really soon, like like today. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to add one more thing on that, and then we can stop our bitch session. But it's I think it's important. So I listened to the Cover Three podcast, which is now Cover Four because now Bud Elliott swapped in, and you know you got Danny Cannell in there, Cannell's yeah. in there. So they did outside of the eleven teams that make the playoff. They did a draft for who would who would you pick? And you may have listened to this episode. Who would you pick? for the next team to make it. You can't pick any of the 11 that have already made it. You have to pick beyond that. They each got five picks, four people, 20. So they went through 31 teams. Virginia Tech was not included in any one of the 31 teams that anybody picked. And in fact, Bud Elliott came out and said at like his last pick, he said this would probably be a good spot to pick Virginia Tech to be one of those teams except I don't think their coach has the ability to do it. And it's certainly their recruiting is not anywhere close to what they need to do to be one of those teams that I would pick. So basically Ouch. not a, and chip Patterson's one of those people that covers the ACC. Uh, it, it, UNC was in there. I mean, I think FSU was even in there. A lot of these teams were, were in there 31 total that people think are, have any chance of making the playoff. And we're not even included in that. Um, yeah. And that's and pretty. Discussed- I did not listen to that. I've been kind of taking a college football podcast break a bit since the off season. But damn, yeah, <laughs> I hate to be negative, Nancy, but I'm just trying to give people. And that's from everybody has their own opinion. They got to do their own draft picks. Some people do sleepers, and they're doing a competition against each other. That's that's where we are right now. Is outside of you know the top 31 in in the nation of what you know people think can you know do something in the future and then you had that espn thing that put us in the seventh tier of college football teams too right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean that was just like a couple days ago uh that that went around like they they came out with their tiers and Stuart mandel does this every couple years too and has the different tiers and tier seven's not not too good and that's that's where justin fuente has us right now and it, it and i don't know what will get him fired whether it's a poor record or the poor recruiting um, like what would come first, but man, he's, he's doing them both right now, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah, it, uh, my, I hope the best for Virginia tech football. So I care more over the long term about the recruiting and maybe, like I said, they found all, they found the greatest three stars that exist out there and they scouted them all perfectly, but math shows and Bud Elliott's blue trip ratio, everything statistically says that can work for a little bit, but it's not it's not great for the long term, and that's that's kind of where we're at. So sorry to go onto a uh, a rant on that, but the the recruiting needs to improve. Period. We also had the schedule release that came out, which has a couple appealing games on it. We got to go to West Virginia, but we get Notre Dame at home, yep. and. Uh, I don't know. Did anything about the schedule like stand out to you? Are you eyeing any games to go to? Well, I, well considering all the home games, <laughs> if there's any fans in the stadium, yeah. yeah. So all the home games are front loaded. All the away games are back loaded for us. Um, it, it depends on whether there's fans there or not. If if there are fans, if we can all get our vaccinations and we can have fans in the stadium. I think that bodes pretty well for us to get our feet underneath us and play the early games at home and trying to establish something. Um, if not, then it could be a tough slate. I mean, those away games at the end are, are going to be tough. Yeah. So it was what Robbie's talking about is at Georgia tech at BC. Then we have Duke at home at Miami at Virginia to end the year. And those five games, are all inside of a month. It's yep. October 30th to November 27th. That is a rough stretch of four away games inside of a month. Uh, like I said, you got Notre Dame at home, North Carolina at home, which I think is going to be like that first game of the year, like Thursday yes. or Friday, Labor Day weekend. I think they're going to probably move it up to Thursday just to make sure it's like one of the first games. And that is a, that is a great setup for us because people are really high on UNC with Howell coming back. 
So if we're going to catch him at any time, I would rather do it right off the bat. Yeah. Hope, hope it's a great a setup if uh, if it goes well for us. But I understand what you're saying because we typically play better as an underdog in those big spots like that. But that also might not go well. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. And UNC lost a lot on offense, so we'll just have to wait and see, and we'll talk about that over the summer. But it's Middle Tennessee State the week after that at home. And I think if they allow fans on – that's September 11th. Uh, my friends and I were talking about going down for that one because the weather should still be warm. It would hopefully be a win. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't seen a win in a while, so it would be nice to go down to Blacksburg and see a win. Well, I'll obviously go to the Notre Dame game, which <laughs> I'm I'm just punishing myself maybe uh, <laughs> at that point, and <laughs> we'll see how, how that goes. Yeah, yeah, for real. Syracuse at home and Pitt at home as well, along with Richmond, which I guess is our FCS game for the year, which – Hey, let's hope Fuente doesn't do the, the Virginia sweep because he's already lost to ODU, Liberty, and UVA the last three years. Is he going to add Richmond to the list? I'm like, extremely worried. This is where we've come to. Like I think we said this last year, and we've come to it again. Is I'm, I'm actually really worried about the Spiders. I mean, that is, that's a team that is oh, good, and they are going to be so fired up uh, for that game. Ugh. Well, uh, let's move on to kind of a fun couple things. NCAA video game, EA Sports, it is back. Oh, I had it on my notes, so yes, we're <laughs> going to hit it. I love it. I, I thought we had to bring it up. You're the video game guy here, but I don't know what year they're going to bring it back, if it's going to be 2022 or 2023 or what, but they announced like via their Twitter feed, like, we're coming back. Yeah, so I think it's probably, I think it's going to be more dictated by what happens with the name and likeness things that it dictates, because... They can develop that game, no problem. And how much money they're going to make off of it is going to be insane. So I think it's going to be them figuring out. I think they are probably going to want, and this has already hit like message boards, Twitter feeds, all of that. I think they want to get it to a place where they can pay the players for for their likeness and then make it like realistic. And I mean, that would be so awesome. Yeah, that I think that is what's going to end up dictating the timing. So my suspicion is it'll be like 2023 so they can make sure they have everything ironed out. They can figure out how they're going to end up paying the players, pay the programs, all that kind of stuff rather than putting out something with like, you know, fake faces and all that kind of stuff. No player names. So I, yeah, well, my last version was 2013, Mm -hmm. uh, Logan Thomas QB number three, you know, Mm -hmm. is, is the quarterback. And yeah, I, Unless you did the download of the updated rosters, which you could do, you always had just the numbers. Now, if they do this the right way, which I assume they're going to have to because it wouldn't be coming back otherwise, it will have all the players' names. And how they are going to divide up that pie, I don't have a clue. But it's not my problem. I'm just excited that the game will be coming back. And I think that's what's going to end up taking a while is figuring out how you, how you pay everybody. What if somebody says, no, I'm not worth it and wants to like opt out of the game, like (laughs) that kind of thing. So I, yes, I think that's going to be the thing they have to figure out the most, but they've already done it with like with Madden. I know Madden shit the bed on this last, you know, iteration that came out and people are pissed off about it, but they've already figured out the scheme of how to do it. It's just, getting the college players to understand what, how the money's going to be divided up between them. And the last thing we wanted to hit is uh, Clark Ruland, uh, our friend who has designed our album artwork and been in front of the podcast for a while. He's coming out with a helmet bracket, a Virginia Tech helmet bracket. Basically, all the helmets we've worn There's some and put them all in the 1980s. He basically made a 32-helmet bracket uh, and they'll all be matched up, and you can pick the winner. And I, I guess this will take place over the next couple of weeks. He'll post it to his Twitter feed. He he put out a teaser, I think, yesterday, uh, and he sent it to both of us early, you know, g- giving us a little sneak peek and maybe some opinions on some of the different helmets. Uh, but I'm excited about it. It's kind of a cool little thing. It'll be on Twitter for the next couple of weeks, keep people engaged in the off season. But me and you were just discussing some of our favorite helmets over the years and have some difference of opinion on some of them. Yeah, I think I think I think we do. But I, listen, Clark is I've always said it. It's like Clark should be employed by Virginia Tech uh, Sports Media just to, constantly because 
he literally has followed the program for so long, designs things so well. I, he designs a lot of stuff for for the university. It's it's pretty incredible. So, and he puts out most of his stuff out there just because he's a he he loves Virginia Tech. He doesn't do it for like profit or anything like that. He just wants to put stuff out there that's Virginia Tech based and just another instance of him putting stuff out there that's fun for Hokie fans and everybody can kind of get engaged and it's kind of got the tournament feel and allows us to still love a little bit of football at the same time and his helmet collection is ridiculous. So yeah. owned helmets and mini helmets and everything else. So he knows them pretty well. What's tough about the helmets and picking your favorites is the games that happened in some of the special ones, yep. you know, like the black pro combat helmet is a very cool helmet, but like it harkens back to the Boise, Boise State, State game. Yeah. So like, it's still it, the best helmet that we've ever put out. I told Clark the same thing. It's, it's one far, of the coolest helmets for sure. Yeah, by far, but it's such a painful game to think. Yeah. Too. So it like kind of influences your opinion. Like I really like, the orange chrome, all orange chrome we wore versus Ohio State. Yep. Uh, but we ended up losing that game at home too. And so it kind of taints the helmet, but I still really like it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Let's get into the basketball stuff. We, we lost at Syracuse. That was an awful game. We're not going to get into too much of it, but we shot terribly, went up to the Carrier Dome, and, and it just it was a Carrier Dome kind of night. <laughs> um, it was the Carrier Dome, our favorite yeah, place. Naheem did have 20 points. He hit five threes, but as a team, we shot 34% from the field, and it, it just wasn't our night. We did beat Notre Dame. We we beat UVA, and we just lost to Pitt. That Notre Dame win, 62-51. to 51, We struggled to shoot once again, especially in the first half, but we turned it up a notch in the second half. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's... Yeah. We're starting to see a little bit of a common theme where we're we're starting to play a little bit low lower scoring games, I guess, in in general than we have been in the past, which I think is part of what Mike Young wants to do with this team and wants to make it a more grindy game. And um, so, yeah, and then we had the close win against Wake Forest. I mean, that, that was that was pretty tight as well, and probably much tighter than it should have been, but. Of all those games, I think, you know, the UVA game and what we did being down 10 points going into the second half was pretty incredible. And then and then literally suffocating UVA the way that they usually do to other people was pretty incredible. And even in this pit loss, the team never really gave up. I mean, I watched that to the bitter end, and it was bitter at the end. I, I was bitter <laughs> at the end, but... You could tell Mike Young was just like, hey, this is practice for the tournament. This is practice for when you have a close game. This is practice for, you know, we're not going to win this, but you need to show the effort that you're going to need to grind out some close games. So it's, I don't know, this team is, um, they can be a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, uh, quite honestly, and depending on the night. And I think that comes down to some of the players and, and who we're relying on. So I don't know your thoughts there. I have liked how we've been a second half team mostly. It got away from us in this pit game. And I was thinking the whole time in that pit game, like, we're going to turn it on. We're going to turn it on. I can feel it coming. We had a six point lead at one point. Um, but instead, Pitt did that. And yep. maybe it was not having Radford finally caught up to us. Maybe it was just a rough night on the road. I don't know. But we have been generally good in the second half. We did it to Notre Dame both times, we did it to UVA. And that shows a lot of resilience. That shows good adjustments. It it, it shows a perseverance through, you know, the, some difficult times, especially in the UVA game when, you know, we're down by eight at the half yeah. in that UVA game. They're a top 10 team. They're a great defensive team. Like, it really wasn't looking good. But, man, after a sloppy first half, we just, we just took over with about 12 minutes left in that UVA game. And... Aluma kept us in it for a while, but after that, the other guys started to come alive, and we just started draining shots. At one point in the UVA game, we had a 19 to nothing run, and it lasted over six minutes. We shot seven of 10 from three in the second half, big makes by Couture, big makes by Cohn, and Aluma, we talked about it earlier, was just a monster in that game. 29 points. It was a career high up until tonight. 
10 boards. He hit two three-pointers. He added more threes tonight. That, that outside game for him, that could that is that's one of the reasons he is as great as he is because yeah. it ha- it forces teams to keep honest on him at the perimeter. Yeah, because he can play the high post and then he can get underneath. He can do both of those and he looks just as fluid doing it. I to, he was getting double teamed a lot in this pit game, so it was tough to tell. Um and people are going to continue to do that, which it brings up another point with BD, you and I were talking about it earlier. Like when you take him out of the offensive game plan and all he's doing is spreading around the ball, it's allowing, or at least this is going to set up other coaches to allow a way for somebody to be off ball against BD and then double team alumna. And that's going to be problematic, I think for us. And I, I, but I love what he does. Him and Mutz have a connectivity on passing and knowing where each other are and who's underneath and when they're available. But it can't just be those two. I mean, Couture had an okay game, but then he ended up fouling out. And, you know, it was it was just rough kind of all around. And it just looked like it was a two-man show for almost the entire game. And BD, like, then started pressing at the end, started taking three-pointers, didn't even come close to the basket on any of them. I, like, and I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just, like, this is just objectively what, would, like, I was watching. I was just like, this, we don't have a chance here. Like, that yeah. doesn't. And they were, they were the more aggressive team. I mean, and most people after the UVA game said Virginia Tech was the aggressive team. They were dominant. They were the ones that were, and it flip-flopped tonight. Pitt was the more aggressive team. They were more confident. We weren't spreading the ball around very well. We weren't passing. It was not... It was not five passes to find the good look. It was two passes. Hope that we don't get it. You know, hope that we actually make a good pass and then just throw it up. It, it was it, towards that second half. It looked like a completely different program for us. Yeah, we definitely show our inconsistency this year. I mean, to go from that end of that UVA game where it looks like we could have beat anybody in the country to the second half of this pick game where you're right. It's like, who's going to step up here? And Couture gets an honorable mention for tonight because he was solid and he was good against UVA. And I think he is without Radford here. He has to be your third guy. I mean, because he's, he's cold blooded at the end of these games that are in the balance. He always seems to step up and like make the right shot, make the free throws, whatever. And he did it against UVA. But when he is struggling a bit and Beatty has the offensive game he had tonight, we are going to have a hard time winning basketball games against UVA. We saw the true value of Beatty. I mean, he was a menace on Clark in the second half. Clark didn't score any second half points. Kihi Clark didn't have any assists in the game. He's UVA's point guard. He didn't have an assist in the game. Beatty did a great job on him defensively, and he added five assists, and he hit that three at an important time in the UVA game. So that's... That's what you need out of BD. You need one or two really important shots. You need him to distribute assists, and you need him to play a solid D. But if he is struggling to make his passes, turning the ball over, not just being basically perfect on defense, then he's a liability out there because yeah, and, his offensive game is so lacking. Yeah, and he was outmatched in size. I mean, a lot of those three-pointers were against him. That, that happened tonight. I mean, he... He, he just doesn't have the size, so he has to make up for it, like in in one on one, and actually like pressing. But then you start to get into foul trouble. So it's they have. It's not a coincidence pit- that Beatty is bigger. Kihi Clark is one of the few guys that Beatty is bigger than. You know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it, it's it's good when it it works, but if the Beatty, if he's not on point on defense. It becomes so. It, this is not Justin Robinson. He needs to make up on the defensive side and be almost perfect on that side to make up for what he lacks on the offensive side. And quite frankly, Luma was distributing the ball even better and to Mutz and everybody else than B was tonight. And I know the UVA game, uh, like we're talking about that. I'm just going through what I just watched. It it, it was. It Aluma had five there. assists. I mean, he yeah. had the same amount of assists as Beatty. <laughs> yeah. he, and I he's mean, not Aluma, supposed to be the one doing that. <laughs> right. 30 points. He hit four threes, if my stats are correct. 10 rebounds and five assists for Aluma. Just yeah. an all-around stellar game, which 
it stinks when you lose the game by double digits and you just have like a killer game like that. It just, it goes to show you like no one else stepped up because Mutz had 17, Couture had the 12 and Naheem was MIA. Cone was kind of MIA. He had a stretch of Cone making had a few shots points, in the first I half. think, in the whole game. Yeah, so, I th- yeah, I think Cone, in the first half he hit, what, those couple of threes. I think he had nine points, but mm-hmm. he has been struggling too. I mean, Cone was off to a, a immensely hot start. We talked about how many threes he had hit. Then he went over in the weight game. He was bad in the next couple games. He made two of six of his threes against UVA. And it's like, okay, he's coming out of this like little slump that he's had, but it was kind of a bad slump. And then tonight, like he starts off well and then disappears. And so him and Naheem, they're right on that next tier after, after Couture, like, but they're bubbling under the surface of being leaders because they, they're not consistent. And they they need to become more consistent if this team's gonna gonna do some damage. Because sure, we can beat Villanova, we can beat UVA on our best nights. But when we're having a bad night, we That's need when it comes out. We need the guys to step up. You know. No, I couldn't agree with that more. And it, I think it really shows. Also, we talked about earlier, not having Radford in there, not having somebody else that can really get in there on yeah. the even on the rebounding. The rebounding was not as efficient as it should have been uh, tonight. So, and I know it equaled out, but we we've been a generally really good rebounding team, and Radford was exceptional at that. And we started to see some chinks in the armor, I think, in this game that people are starting to take advantage of. And outside, it's easy of the to fact- say, but I think if we had Radford tonight, like we would have won this game because yeah. Johnson. For for Pitt had thirty two points. If we had Radford's defense in this game, there's no way that kid scores thirty two points. And I'm not. Maybe we still lose, and it's closer. But like we'd had a much better chance to win. Obviously, if Radford played the game, we've really missed him tonight. I thought we were going to miss him against UVA. We managed to out rebound UVA thirty to twenty four, and just had a killer game down the stretch. Um, but we missed him tonight for sure. We only shot forty one percent from the field. Pitt shot 50%. So um, that's that's your story. It was basically the reverse ending of the UVA game. Yeah. Like the last 12 minutes went completely Pitt's way and against UVA went completely our way. Yeah. So we, I would, but if you had to trade them, you would still <laughs> take that UVA performance. Oh, absolutely. And, and lose the Pitt game every time. I mean, I was so jacked up after the UVA win, man. I, I was like pumped for the next hour. We can talk about the popcorn uh, stuff here soon, so we'll hit that on, uh, very <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. They, they See, the Hokie Club and the basketball team seem to be like, you know, really have their stuff together. There's there's a relationship there that works better than the Hokie Club and the football team for some reason. But they sent out the thing that you can order your, your very own Mike Young popcorn bucket uh, with a, just a $25 donation. Yeah, and guess what? I look... I think I was the first person of everybody I follow. I follow quite a few people that all cover it. Like as soon as it came out, I retweeted it and ordered it within like three and a half seconds. Like I literally <laughs> just ordered it immediately. And then my feed was just filled with people ordering it. I'm like, this is the easiest donation money you could ever ask for. Oh, like yeah. it's just, it's, and I said, I think I tweeted to you and Joe when we were like talking, I'm like, it's not that hard. Like find things that, bring people we've we've talked about this with the football program find things that like make fe- people feel a part of the program that like just make you feel like fun especially during all this covid shitstorm like that like make you kind of excited about it and i think they were like yeah we're close to like selling out of of, of popcorn containers and like pretty soon thereafter the i sales- mean they they could not have timed it any better we we always kind of joke about the football team and, and how they miss time everything announcements donation like initiatives all this kind of stuff always comes out at the exact wrong time that grit post like the morning after daryl tap leaves yeah. and whether or not it was a dig or not, and it probably wasn't because they did a nice send-off for him the next day. It just looked really bad. Like the donation post after the ODU loss. I, yes. It, it, the, the list, literally, I want to write it down, goes on and on of like just the worst timing that you could ever imagine. But this was, was perfect. perfection. 
And they had it planned. All they were doing was planning for the right time. You have it already set up. You already know what you're going to do. You establish it earlier. Like the whole, every, all the announcers are talking about him eating popcorn. It's like, you just have to have the tweets set up, ready to go, have the stockpile ready, and then just wait for like a good win. And it was obviously a great win, not just a good win. And then you just send the tweet and guess what? Money funnels in the door. And I know it's not tons of money. It's not going to solve all their problems, but it's just, it's not that it was well effing done. hard. It was well done. Yeah. And, and you know, Dwight Vick had a, had a tweet this week, like, I think it was him. Every time, you know, the tech basketball team or Mike Young does something good, it doesn't mean you have to say something bad about Fuente. And and he's right. And I, I totally get that. And we're, we're doing a little bit of that right now. Uh so I, I just wanted to shout that tweet out because it was good. It was he's right. And we shouldn't we shouldn't focus on the bad football. We should focus on the good basketball. And their graphics team and their promotion team are excellent. Yeah. And I and I understand what that tweet meant and I get it. But you just because somebody's doing something good doesn't mean that you don't get to judge who's doing something bad. That also, <laughs> how's my counterpoint to that? Is you don't get to excuse failure because somebody else is actually doing well. And so how about that flipping on its head? I'm not trying to rip on the football team. I'm just saying be better. Just yeah. be better than you're And there's you're a clear doing. example about how to be better. So it's hard not to make the comparison. It's really yeah. hard. And forget the comparison. Just be better. Like compare yourself to any other program. If you want to compare yourself to another football program, that's fine. Go, you know, have a parade when UCF goes undefeated and like find a way to build up your, your stigma as a program is where I would go with that. So I get his point, but I'm not using this as a way to dog Virginia tech football. I'm just saying be better period. Well, to end on a positive note before we take our beer break, uh, this was the fourth win for Virginia Tech basketball, the UVA win, the fourth win over a top 25 team this year. That's Villanova, Clemson, Duke, and UVA. And I know Clemson has since not been so good, but they've just gotten some couple wins. They're starting to get back on track, and they yeah, were they still just, ranked when we played They just had a big them. win, yeah. Yeah. So four, t- four wins over ranked teams is awesome. And to get that win over UVA without Radford – when like everyone's a little bit down in the dumps over that, they just lost a team leader. That shows you the resilience and the team that Mike Young has built in such a short time. And if they can become more consistent and get the young guys to contribute night in and night out, like, gosh, this team could be so good. We we're a six seed in the bracket matrix right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we're going to come in right around like a seven or eight, just based on, you know, tonight's loss and but what we have left. Yeah, and, and yeah, and we have tough games left and some of the teams are starting to figure their stuff out and 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 start playing a little bit better, but I think we'll come in like right around there, which if you said that to us going into this season, I don't know if I I don't think we would I wouldn't have been betting on us being like that high. No, There's no chance. I don't I don't think I think we'd be a 7 seed. Def, definitely not. And I want to get to going forward uh, the rest of this basketball season in a second. But first, I do want to know what you're drinking. So I'm bringing this back to I'll apologize to everybody, but it's readily available. So I am doing another three notch beer. It's the Nephology series. This one's the Pacific Jade. It's a juicy IPA, lemon citrus tropical. I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of the winter already, and it's early in the winter. So I'm going with something a little bit uh, um, more tropical. I've had this, I think, a few times in the past week. It is really good. Uh, As much as I hate uh, to give throwouts to Charlottesville and and what they got going on there, this beer is awesome. So uh, I really like it. Um, It's the three-notched. Nephology series and nephology series is like a, in like a series of beers that they've been putting out and that I've had over time. And this one, I've never seen anything with like lemon, citrus, tropical uh, before. Normally, they're more traditional kind of IPAs. This one's just more on the juicy side, trying to bring in a lot of the uh, the you know the flavors from fruits and, and and stuff like that. It's 
it's really good. So I hate to say it. That but sounds like something I would really enjoy. Yeah. I love Three Notch. They they make a good product. I'm drinking a Virginia beer, oatmeal raisin cookie porter from Center of the Universe. This is Ashland, just outside of Richmond. Yep. Uh, I got this at Dominion down in Virginia. It is pretty good. I, I've had a bunch of porters lately since it is January. Or Wait, no. We're in February now. We are getting yes. closer We've to getting over. out of the winter. Um, but I have had a lot of porters lately, including the Hardywood gingerbread porter, not to be confused with GBS. So yeah. they actually make a gingerbread porter, which I also got at Dominion. That was fantastic. I, I wanted to say that if you see that next year when they put out those gingerbreads, the porter was awesome. This oatmeal raisin cookie porter, it's fine. I'm not getting a lot of cookie or oatmeal flavor-like sweetness. I I wouldn't know what the flavor was I, if if I didn't have a label. I would just be like, oh, it's a solid porter. And it is solid, but I'm not getting a whole lot of oatmeal raisin cookie flavor. And I'm not exactly sure what that's supposed to taste like. I think when we went down to Cigar City on my bachelor party in Tampa, we went there and they had an oatmeal raisin beer. I don't know if you tried it, but it was excellent. Mm-hmm. This is This is a little bit different, but... I do enjoy how the porters, as opposed to the stouts, bring a little bit more like carbonation to the game, and it just has a, I don't know, a less syrupy finish a lot of times. So I have been enjoying the porters this this year. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. The por- the porters definitely have a little bit uh, more carbonation in it, like it feels like, and it's better. The stouts are like very much not flat and because i do like, like the flat creamy like, like a cream ale yeah, almost yeah the, the, whereas porters have a little bit more bite it's actually hard because a lot of breweries will put out like porters and stouts and not really distinguish well between the two of them so you're like what am i drinking but you can always tell by like how where it sits in your mouth you're like how thick is this and the mm-hmm. porters go down a little bit smoother so but if you get through like three stouts your mouth is like overwhelmed (laughs) like it's just like too much so i was looking at the beer list we've had on our website and robbie does a good job of updating that we have all the ratings on there you can just click on beer at the top of our page at 2dvt.com and all of our 437 beers will come up and when i typed in porter it's only like it's like nine. It's it's a surprisingly no, low number, but Stouts was was significantly higher. It was in the forties, I want to say something like that. Um, and I I do think Stout is a more popular style of beer, and a lot yep. of things like the bourbon barrels, a lot of those are are Stouts rather than porters. Yep. Um, but I thought that was interesting. If you type in IPA, <laughs> it was sure. like three hundred. <laughs> yeah. I did a. Uh... I like Excel because I'm a finance nerd. So like I ran the numbers. I, I deleted it since then because I figured nobody would actually give a damn about it. But I ran the numbers on like what we'd had based on each classification. But yes, porters were way down there. The problem is, is that you go into a beer shop these days and you ask for a porter, there's like three. And you go, yeah. you ask for a stout, there's like 50. And you ask for an IPA, there's like 500. So yeah. it's... um. It, it's tougher to get your hands on and um, it's it's not in vogue, if you will. So it's tough, but I, I love a good porter. I have another one. Maybe if we do a, another podcast in February or early March, I have one more porter downstairs that, that I might give a try on the podcast. Let's get back to the basketball team. The FSU game just got postponed due to COVID on their end. So that leaves us with a 17-game basketball schedule because, again, I don't think any of these games are getting made up. We go to Miami, then at home versus Louisville next Saturday, and then at UNC at FSU. That's our next four. I, I, uh, I'm i nervous about that Miami game because between the Pitt game and the Miami game, both being on the road, I didn't think we were going to win both of them. And Miami, although they have struggled this year and they've had so many injuries, they did just beat Duke with yeah, seven players. They've been so, turning it on lately. We have struggled historically down in Miami playing basketball. So that makes me nervous. And we we don't need it necessarily, but like if you lose the Miami game, it, all of a sudden your final record possibilities, uh, it doesn't look nearly as attractive. Well, because FSU, 
like I'm not chalking it up as a loss, but FSU is playing out of their minds, and they played. I know they just took a loss. I guess Georgia Tech. I think they just lost to. But Dude, Georgia that, Tech is sneaky, man. <laughs> I know, but they just lost to Georgia Tech. But otherwise, I mean, they are shooting lights out. So that that is going to be a very tough game. Let's just put it. And that, that one's way. down in FSU now because we lost our home game against yes, them. Yes, exactly. So I think that my you got to win either or both of Miami Louisville for us to be like really ecstatic going into things. I think there's a chance that Louisville's not playing that it's playing pretty well. So like, I think our stretch down, you know, the home stretch, as you would say, is it's pretty tough. I mean, it's not, that is not easy at all. It's seven games left. We're seven and three. So can you win what two let's see i I see two wins and i see two losses i think at unc and at fsu are losses yeah i think georgia tech at home and wake forest are likely wins so that leaves turn it on for georgia georgia tech we'll definitely i think we'll definitely get that game all right so that's two and two and there's three games left at miami louisville at home and at NC State, not obviously that's not in any particular order. But if you if you leave us at two and two with the losses at UNC and FSU, winning GT and Wake Forest, we to go over five hundred down the stretch. Like you got to win this Miami game because yeah. Louisville and at NC State, like you're probably going to lose one of those games. Yes. Yeah, and NC State's probably the easier of those two games for us to yeah. win. But uh, I mean. That's that's those are those are not easy matchups. And both of those programs have been improving throughout the year. So I think that would be tough. Yeah. The ACC is just so weird this year. Because Louisville, they beat us not by much, but they did beat us and, and it wasn't as close as the score. But they've gone out and they've had some weird losses. FSU just had the weird loss. UNC, they continue to be befuddling. Duke, I mean I don't know if Duke they're even going to make the. They're I don't so even know bad. if they're going to make the tournament. Like, no, they, they will not. I was actually listening to the radio. They're on the edge right now. They. I don't think they'll make it. I. I think they don't even have enough games against power programs to actually get themselves in, even if they have a hot stretch down the down the stretch. So it'll 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 be interesting. I do think. I, I feel like Georgia Tech at home will be good. I think Wake, I'm a little bit worried about just like something stupid, but everybody's been fluky. And you, yeah. most people are probably looking at the results of us against Pitt and being like, what the hell happened tonight? You know? Yeah, like, I, I wonder about that because like Pitt is, Pitt is another one of those teams like Georgia Tech that like they can beat a good team yeah. and then they can lose to Notre Dame really badly. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So we're third place right now behind UVA and FSU. And we're, we have the same record over 500 as FSU. We're both four games over 500 is what I mean. And Louisville six and three. So they have the same amount of losses as us, but one less win. What, I, what I'm trying to say is if we can go four and three with the seven games left, we can finish 11 and six, which I think would put us in the top four, which I would love to win the regular season but I'm more focused on getting in that top four to get the double buy in the, ter- yeah. in the ACC tournament. Yeah. I think the double buy is crucial for us, especially the way, the way, and that gives us more time to see what happens with Bradford and whether he's going to be coming back. And if he does come back to get his legs underneath them and kind of establish everything. Every day together. matters, man. Yeah. One extra day, two extra days can make a big difference. Yeah. So I would, um, I would agree. But I do, I do kind of think like those last seven games, I don't really see a better scenario if Radford's not back than four and three. Like four and three seems like the best case scenario. But uh, but I guess we'll, we'll see. Well, before we close out, I did want to just jump back to uh, Clark's Virginia Tech helmet bracket. He just sent us a final look at the bracket. And he had given us a sneak peek earlier, but... He's actually turned it into four separate brackets of eight helmets. And this is pretty awesome to have 32 different helmets here, four one seeds, you know, obviously four eight seeds. And you got the Lane region, the Warsham region, the Merriman region, and the Jamerson region. Um, 
I think he did a good job picking the top four helmets. Yeah, and I definitely think so. I mean, Clark knows his stuff, so I think I think he divided it up pretty well. So I think we can go through this. I see he moved one of them that I gave him some opinion back up a little bit higher. So uh, I like that move, but um, let's... <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the four number one seeds, I'll just read them off and then you can kind of tell me your favorites. You've got the... 2012 Matt Maroon with the old school fighting gobbler on it as a one seed. The 2010 Black Pro Combat we wore versus Boise State's a one. The Battle at Bristol Black Hokey Stone is a one. And the traditional Maroon with no stripes and the white VT is a number one. And I I, I do think that the traditional Maroon with no stripes is my favorite uh, of any helmet. I just, I, I appreciate helmets with no stripes. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Stripe fan, so I totally agree. And obviously, it's it's our go-to. But what is your what's your second favorite Virginia Tech helmet on this on this bracket? I feel like so the 2010 Black Nike Pro Combat is one of my favorite helmets. I would have loved it if I know that we got the maroon stripe over the top, and then the you know the the burnt orange on the side. But I wish it was just like one color. So if it was just like all maroon top and side, then I would have been like all about it. So I have to go back to the uh, black Hokie Stones. Um, that's the 2016 helmet that we we wore. And I know that doesn't have any of our colors in it, but it just looks dirty. Like you wear yeah, that. It's a, and it's it's a just, badass helmet. Yeah, I, I that, do like that one. That, that would scare the hell out of me if I was on the other side. So um, that that would be my number one. I really love the old school fighting gobbler helmet that we wore <laughs> against Rutgers <laughs> in a bowl game. We did win, yeah. but one of the ugliest punt fests you'll ever see. Um, it was pretty cool. My one uh, thing with that helmet, I could do without the stripe, although it doesn't bother me that much. The gobbler is so big. Like I, I wish it was just like, just, just a little bit smaller. I mean, this is like real helmet aesthetic critique, yeah. but uh but yeah, an awesome helmet. Probably my number two behind the traditional maroon helmet. Uh, what did did you have a third, or do you have just kind of like a favorite that you would put higher than something that Clark has here? I I love them. I love the matte helmets. So I would take. Um, well, we'll get into the ones that we don't like uh, afterwards. But I I actually like the woodland camouflage one, the number eight seed on there. Um, that one actually is. You mean just like the regular uh, like green camo with the VT? I kind of like it. It's just we wore like, it against yeah. Bowling Green. Yeah, like many years many years ago. It's not. It's not like it's not like it's a little bit crazy for us. But I think it was kind of more unique. I mean, if you look at all the color palettes and everything that we do, like that one kind of stood out. But I kind of like liked a, it too, man. Like I kind of I kind of like that one too. Like and I like I, it has the maroon face mask on it too is kind of makes me enjoy it a lot one that i i like more than um maybe than its seed is the 2015 orange metallic we wore against ohio state i i I just i love that helmet um i know the game didn't go our way but i love it i don't really prefer orange helmets either like i don't i don't really like when we wear orange jerseys but for some reason the chrome dipped one yes yes the chrome orange I liked that one a lot. And then the the tech, it says tech on it with the state of Virginia from 2008. I really like that one too. That's nice. I like that one. The yeah. Go I'm, ahead. I'm going to go, I got to pick one more. Um, and I, I, I was the one that told Clark this should be a higher seed. The 2015 Beamer Helmets. Um, the black, oh, yeah, the black ones. Well, yeah, the black with the twenty-five on the side, and and it, I, I do like that a lot. It, I mean, it's very nostalgic. I, I was at, I was at that. I game. liked those. those I was at yeah, that we game, were there so. together. That was a great. That was a. It was yeah. a fun game. We lost, but it was a really fun game. Yeah. And those helmets were sweet. Yeah. What about that hokey stone helmet? Not the Bristol one. The ones we wore against Georgia Tech. You, you were a fan of those, right? Uh, yeah, the, I think I'm looking back and Clark does such a good job. The 2013 ones. Yes. Back in the day where it's just, I, I, between those two, 
So these will be, I'm not going to give their seed because you guys got to you know go and look at it. Between the four and the five seed, the one that has the actual VT on it versus the university logo was like right up my alley. Like I, I just, it, it, it never really did it for me, but they were good. I, I thought the hokey stone was good, but I, I always feel like, you know, the video of like walking around campus and like showing what hokey stone actually is means more than just the helmets. And I think people that don't know Virginia Tech very well are probably like confused, like what the hell's on their helmets? Like that don't like pay attention to college football as much. So um, I like the one with VT on the side and our logo is not that easy to to understand if you don't know Virginia The pylon well. logo you're yeah, saying. Yeah, the pylon. Yeah, I agree with Even you. Even though I think it has I more like, meaning, but yes. It, like, yes. I think I like the the traditional VT on the side rather than the pylon one on that. It was a, if people don't know what I'm saying, it's the entire helmet looks like Hokie Stone. Yes. <laughs> so, so it was a little bit unique, but, uh, but cool. And I like the one with the traditional VT on the side. We did have a difference of opinion on that, that Chevron helmet, the one with three diagonal colors. Basically it was a maroon bottom, then an orange just above the maroon and a white top. And I think Nike had designed them for the Naval Academy. They look very like militaristic almost. Yes. And Navy played in them. That's called the Chevron helmet. And it was white, orange, and then maroon. And you didn't like that one, but I actually did like, we wore that helmet like five times when Michael Brewer was on the team. It just, it just doesn't do anything for it. It just looks weird. It just looks like Megatron should be wearing that <laughs> helmet and not a Virginia Tech player. I, I know it's, very high on a lot of people's lists, but that's why I get my own opinion. I I I hate that helmet. I I literally don't like it <laughs> at all. Um, it would it be last place of all the helmets? Um. Well, no, because uh, we we still the hokey tracks is on there. Yeah, the hokey tracks is on there. But outside of hokey tracks, I would put that dead last. Um. I'm trying to look through all the I also helmets. really like when we wear the TV logo. There's a few yeah. of the TV old school logos on here. Um, and it's hard to pick the one you like because they're all very similar. But the maroon helmet with the white V and the orange T, and the T is inside the V. That's why it's called a TV throwback. Um, I really like that. That's a four seed in the in the Warsham bracket. And I will say that, like, in general, I'll agree with your opinion earlier. The... The, and I this will go against a couple of my picks here, but like the head stripes never did it for me. Like the the over the top head stripes, I like I just like the solid look. Like pick your design. Like it's just like solid colors. Like, um, and I know it's very Virginia Tech to have that, and it goes way back. But if you look at our classic maroon, just like that awesome, just like all maroon color, it's just so beautiful and. And a lot of the ones that I, I really like, like the the black Beamer helmet, I'm cool with because it's kind of nostalgic and that was like important, but I, it just, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. I prefer a, a plain no striped helmet, but I also think like thinner is better. And so with the, our current helmets that kind of have the angled stripe, mm -hmm. I like more than some of the older, wider stripes. Like basically the thinner, the better, like I, I that's. It's kind of a we're talking helmet talk here, so yeah. yeah, it's 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 very split in hairs, but yeah, that's why I think that Beamer one works is because it's kind of a thinner that thinner stripe. Yeah, and then I'll, we'll, I'll we can finish this off soon because it's probably too much helmet talk for people. But um, matte helmets, I absolutely love. Like I yeah. love the and matte there is helmets. a matte maroon on here. Yeah, I, and that that's not the fighting gobbler one. It's the one we wore against FSU. FSU. I think. Yes, in, in that game. Um, I, I just, I think it's it's more rugged. I think it speaks like it's, I know it's more new age to do matte helmets and it's not old school, but it's more like we're going to hit you and we're going to make it stick. Like it's kind of rugged and old. Yeah, it's like, like rough and tumble. Yeah, like it's it's similar if you came out with your helmet and it's got like, like every time I look at OSU with their pristine helmets and like all their stickers are in place, I'm like, why are your stickers not like scarred up? Like, why is there no, why aren't there marks on your helmet? Because that would scare the hell out of me if I'm on the other side of the ball. So, I just feel like that's I don't know. I I, I love 
the mat. I think it fits was with the, the program. Was the Battle of Bristol helmet, was that a matte finish? I feel like it was, but I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for Helmet Talk and probably going to do it for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you Sorry stuck around this hel- long, well, helmet cut. Tell, 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 too much <laughs> you helmet. deserve a helmet sticker <laughs> because uh, because we were kind of rambling there for the last 10 minutes. But we got the one when we won against UVA. We were hyping it up last podcast, and we actually went out there and beat them in amazing fashion. Again, I was just – I was so freaking pumped up after that game. Uh, I'm hoping – we can get the win against Miami and then do just enough down the stretch to maintain uh, a seven seed. It would be nice to stay out of the 8-9 game if we make the tournament. I mean, I just want to make the tournament, don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to make it, I don't want to be in the 8-9 game because then you got to play number one if you win. Yep. Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in. We we should be pushing to try and get into that seven. And if we can bleed into the six, that would be even better. All right, well, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. 2DVT.com is the website. Go on there and check out the beers we've had. You know, find in the page. You can search for any different type of beer, see how many we've had. It's it's pretty astounding. I, and so we yeah. don't repeat on the website, so those are all different beers. Yeah, because we've even... definitely repeated while recording, but, yes. yeah, that's that's another thing to think about. It's, it's We've yes. drank a lot of beers. Yeah, well, it's been we're going into year seven of this. So. Wait, no, is it? We started twenty fifteen. Si- year six of fifteen. We just finished year six. This is year seven. 19. I always reset the year on January one. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, seventh season. Jesus, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Um, all right. Well, two dvt at gmail dot com. If you have anything you want to send us, and. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give us a review if you can. We always appreciate a positive review and sometimes laugh at the negative ones. So, uh, And until next time, when hopefully we are are celebrating some big wins and, and making the tournament, go Hokies.